Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Making Lemonade, the podcast where we talk about how we take the lemons that life gives us and all of the different flavors of lemonade that we as creatives and as people make throughout our lives. This week, we are talking to a friend of mine. He's a fellow con goer. He's a cosplayer. He's a YouTuber. He's a TikToker. He's an awesome dude. He's just so creative and just such a kind young man. You may know him as Captain Fizzman. It's Anthony Farah, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think I need to say much more. We had a wonderful conversation about movies and fandom and conventions and cosplay and all that kind of stuff. And he is such a such a nice guy. He's this is just a nice guy. He's just a really kind-hearted, very sweet uh, young man, and I really enjoyed sitting down. It's been a while. I've been trying to get this together uh, since we first started talking and getting to know each other at the start of the year when I did a commission for him of all his cosplays. Uh, you can see that on my website and YouTube and so on. Um, but before I get into it, ladies and gentlemen, you can find me. You know where to find me. I'm on TikTok. My website is www.jordanmorpethart.com. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Jordan Morpeth, by the way, uh, not Jordan Morpeth Art, but everywhere else, I am Jordan Morpeth Art. If you don't know how to spell my last name, it's in the title of the of the uh, podcast. Just go up and have a look at the album artwork. You'll find my last name. Go and find me. Give me a like. Let me know if you like this episode. If you're a friend of, of uh, Mr. Fizzman's, um, let me know. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's all from me. Let's get into the episode with Captain Fizzman. No! Let's do it. Show you... I said in the intro, you're a YouTuber and a cosplayer. Yeah. Now, how did you how did you first get into cosplaying? Oh, like, what, the... what is your foray into that? Oh, my foray into that was um, well, it's always been something I had been looking into since about high school, but I could never really figure it out the way that I'd want to do it. And then in 2016, um, Supernova had the Charmed cast coming down. So I bought tickets for that because Charmed is like my ultimate favorite show um, back when I was a kid. And so what happens, I bought a ticket and then um, I started to explore the con before because I've heard of Supernova, but I didn't know exactly. Like I, I had never been until 2016. And so... Um, I saw this uh, stall, um, they were doing these um, action shots and they had a Captain America shield and everything and I absolutely love Captain America um, ever since they first introduced him in First Avenger. Uh, so I, I'm more of a fan of movie cap rather than comic book cap. Um, uh and so from there i did a captain america action film uh with my friends from action reaction entertainment and then from there i ordered my first captain america suit and that was and the rest is history there you go so why is it that you like 
like uh, movie cap over comic book cap? I mean, I think I know, but tell me why? Why? Why do you feel <laughs> that was the uh, the cap that spoke I, to you? It was mainly because it was sort of my first exposure into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like I watched Iron Man and I played the video game, but Iron Man didn't really interest me. I thought he was very much of a stuck up. Um, narcissistic, narcissistic character and he's very much of an overrated character and then Chris Evans came along with Captain America but I actually knew of Chris Evans I actually had been watching a few of his films like when he did a whole other films like Cellular which was this thriller um, where he helps a, it's something like a cellular telephone and he helps a woman escape and he pretty much saves her. But then also his actual, the first time I watched a Chris Evans film was with Scarlett Johansson in The Nanny Diaries. And I didn't even know it was him until I actually got, had gone back and had rewatched, um, I think nearly every Chris Evans film. Um, but yeah. So, so it's safe to say you're a big Chris Evans fan. I'm massacre <laughs> He's not bad. He he makes for a pretty good cap and not such yeah. a bad human torch in my opinion. I grew up on that human torch, so I really uh, I I was one of the people that wasn't too sure about him at first. Um at least the casting and then I gave it a chance and I think he really changed the character, let's be honest here. Like he yeah. he made Captain America more interesting. Uh, yet more relatable, but still kept a lot of what was going on uh, with that character at the heart. Well, we're talking about Human Torch or Captain America? Captain America. Okay, because we were just talking about Human Torch a a minute ago, and I was like, wait, are we just confusing it? No. Uh, All good. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, okay, so... So talk, tell me a little bit more about this uh, movie you did. What what did you say with Action Reaction, was it? Yes, it's um, with uh, a YouTube channel. They do um, stunt. They do stunt work. So it's sort of like fight choreography. So a lot of flip, a lot of roles, um, making fight choreography look real, um, but also keeping it very safe. And they do a lot of stunt shows. They actually did a few. Um, they've done a few with us at Vanova. Um, and so 2016 was when they did their full on um, Civil War Captain America um, fight uh, stunt, stunt show. And so that's kind of where it's like, oh, this is very exciting. I want to learn how to do this because I, I want to be a superhero. I mean, who doesn't want to be a superhero? So I was like, you know, this might be the first step. So I've been doing it. Every time they have a workshop on, I always make plans to do it, and I always have fun. And I said it's actually pretty fun and does um, hurt a bit because you are doing rolls and a bit and some flips, but nothing too much. Oh, okay. And so you you met those guys through a convention? Is that what you said? Through a sip and over Sydney, yes. Ah, that's fantastic. I didn't know. I had heard of them, but I didn't know they were um, a stunt company. I thought they were just a fan film uh, YouTube. So speaking of YouTube, I was watching some of your YouTube this afternoon, actually. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, what, what got you into into YouTube? Like, did you just want to, as opposed to, because it seems what you do is very similar to what we do here at Pot, like, you know, a lot of podcasters do. So 
what what made you want to do YouTube? Um, you know, with with movie reviews and so on. Uh, well, I've always been into movies. Um, I love watching movies, and I feel like I'm not I'm not considered a critic or a reviewer, but I'm just some guy who likes movies, and so I give my honest opinion. And if I love a movie so much, I will rave about it, despite what other people say. Like the new Charlie's Angel film, despite it bombing at the box office, it's actually a pretty good film, and I really enjoyed it. And it was a movie I'm look I was looking forward to. I was actually hyping my myself up so much like when they first announced it and so i was like yep i enjoy this film i'll see it again because it, it's just it's such it's such a fun film and it doesn't take itself too seriously and yeah that's that's pretty much and also the cast and i'm i'm just a massive movie fan and also tv show fan so if i love something i uh, you'll definitely know about it because <laughs> I, yes. I don't have those feelings away <laughs> Yeah, so you're well. That's good, and I, I try to do the same. And so you're you're a um, you're just a pop culture fan, and that's that's what gets us all into what we do, whether yeah. you're an illustrator or a cosplayer. So would you consider that your your art form, or would you consider cosplaying your art form? Like, what's what are you most what do you find most um, you're most passionate about, and I suppose you're most creative with. I, I that's a that's a bit of a difficult question because each I, I think I'm a bit of a both um both are different creative outlets for me uh one is video where I pretty much can just talk and um speak to an audience who shares the same um love of a topic as me but then also there's the cosplay side where I get to be creative and actually craft um items together and because I I'm I'm a massive like I love visual arts and being creative in terms of whether it be drama or um, creating like painting or sculpting or doing stuff. So I feel like cosplay does give me the best of both worlds where I get to be creative, but I also get to make things. Um, but then also YouTube does that. It, it gives me the same. Um, it, it's the same for me where I get to be expressive and creative as much as I can, but though I also create a video out of it. Yeah, so are you, you know, do you uh, have past experience as a video editor or are you just an amateur YouTuber kind of like myself? myself I'm I'm much of an amateur. I have, I don't have much experience in past editing, unless you call, unless you count school projects. Um, (laughs) But no, I haven't, I haven't really worked as a video editor before. Uh, Right. learning as i go along fantastic well you've got a lot of videos there i I didn't realize how much youtube you did do until i got on there this afternoon and gave it a real good look there was a video i remember seeing i couldn't find it i was trying to find it there was a video you did um i think with sbs there was about finding a girlfriend was that that i remember seeing that i was trying to re-find it because i wanted to re-watch it because i thought it was hilarious lebanese stereotypes Ah, right, right. Look, look for look for the look for the thumbnail of me holding a frozen backpack. A frozen backpack. Okay, I'll have to because I remember watching that and I thought it was so funny because you just you didn't take yourself seriously and um I just thought it was it just a great I don't know, just you had a great sense of humor about yourself and it um it just made me laugh. I just love things that make me laugh. Um it, 
I I kind of want to create that content, but I don't know how to I don't know how to replicate how to do that because when because this was all part of a massive youth week national youth week campaign with SBS, so we're done with the crew and people who knew how to do this stuff. Whereas when I tried to take all that I learned back with me and tried to replicate what we managed to produce, it's kind of hard because just like you. T- tend to overthink things a lot and it just becomes like you, you tend to just be like nah I can't do this I'm gonna go back to my old style of things um but it's something that I definitely want to do more of I want to do that very much of a short form content and I think that's kind of why I've started to TikTok because it does I have that short form 15 second content that I can just be as creative as funny as I can um but in a short style frame a short time format yeah that was going to be my next question as soon as you said that i was going to say are you on tiktok (laughs) because i have i have been pushing everyone i know who is a creative to use tiktok because instagram unfortunately and i've said this a few times here um instagram unfortunately is losing that organic reach it's gone pretty much uh you pretty much have to pay now I'm lucky to get two followers a day uh, with, and I put up two or three pieces of content per day minimum. Um, yeah, so things like TikTok. Are, and also the interesting thing about TikTok is like you said, you can't, you don't have to take yourself seriously over there. No. Like Insta- Instagram and Facebook used to be like that. You used to be able to just put up whatever the fuck you wanted and people didn't, um, they didn't really judge uh, judge you on what you're doing. It was just about putting, just put stuff out, put as much out as you can. And that short form kind of content, that, that witty humor, that, uh, this is how you do this. And this is how, you know, you do that. There seems to be a lot of ethnic stuff going on there as well, which is very funny. And yeah, that's, I mean, so how have you found that? Do you, do you find, uh, you're getting a bit more reach or you're just you're being able to be more no, creative I, on TikTok? Okay, so I gained about 100 followers in one week based on one video. And it was just Holy shit, that's amazing. Me. Yeah. Um, but actually, my first video that kind of went viral, um, you hit some misses. Um, but the first video that kind of went viral, and I'm talking like over 10K, um, because anyone can reach like, 1,000, um, 1K, 2K, pretty easily. But when it goes like over 10K, that's kind of when it starts getting a lot of traction. Um, I did a video where sort of like the crisscross challenge, where um, at the at the drop of a song, um, the outfit changes. So I use my Captain America shield as a transitional tool, and it pretty much just had me in like a Captain America hoodie, and then when the shield passed over. It was me and my full-on Captain America cosplay. And oh, people wow. really did enjoy it. They thought it was really cool because it was very much of a very smooth transition. But um, yeah. a lot of a lot of my cosplay stuff has gone really well. Like anything where I'm dressed in costume uh, has done pretty good. Uh, the one which has done well but wasn't in cosplay and just me by myself is um, there was an awkward text um, trend going on where you put up a screen grab of an awkward text you've received and you like kind of 
dance in front of it. And I did one where um, back in like 2016, when I was trying to find my first job, after I finished up the traineeship, um, I was part of Centrelink and their whole job search um, recruitment thing. <laughs> and so I found that message that I received from them. But then I, because I had replied, oh, I've already found the job. So I just stacked that on there. It got taken down at first because it violated TikTok services, um, TikTok community turned the services because of the number that was showing, but that was a very much of a government number. So I re-uploaded it, covered the numbers, and it just it keeps on growing. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's the that's the thing I've noticed. There's a lot of uh, cosplay content out there that's really, really popular. It seems the cosplay community is doing very well on TikTok. But that's hilarious that the I have seen those text message ones. Um, but that's that's awesome, man. That's really good to hear that you found found your place on a new platform like that and that you're enjoying kind of creating some interesting and funny uh, stuff. I I've, I've found it a bit, um, I've found it good, but I find, you know, as an illustrator, there's not, you know, unless you're an illustrator, you're probably not a fan of illustrators. You no, know, okay, generally. So on, on my For You page, I have a lot of, like, different illustrators just coming up. Um, mm. And they pretty much how they started off is that they have it so they're kind of, like, drawing horribly or like they do like a stick figure and then they actually transition and show the full um actual full professional drawing and i and i and they tend to go really well so i think maybe because i've seen a few of your tiktok and you do show your process but i kind of feel like if it was to i feel like people want want to relate to that kind of tiktok so maybe show like you drawing a stick figure of or like something very resemblant to the um image you show and mm. then actually show the full um the full product because they uh, they tend to do really well yeah yeah i mean i've done a couple couple of those but yeah i haven't had a i haven't really dug my teeth into too much i mean i did a really bad drawing of spider-man the other day and then revealed revealed my actual spider-man drawing so but that i, I find that such a fun creative endeavor just to to do the because you know on instagram it doesn't really force you to get creative uh with videos you, you, you just put up your, your image and is keep going. mainly for models and pets <laughs> and food porn and yeah. cosplay that's about yeah it. a few people a few people do well on instagram and have done well in the early years but it's so oversaturated now that trying to get oh, yeah. no, definitely it, get your pro yeah exactly get your product out there and get your but yeah that's oh that's okay i might double down on those bad drawings then if you if you reckon there i find the re the reveal ones are really fun as well where you just have like the sketch and then you um you erase it and all the colors come out underneath it like that kind of thing i yeah. have a bit of fun i have a bit of fun with just like the visual stuff as well with just like the joking shit um and some of the memes that go around i suppose you could call it a meme is it oh, a yeah. meme um, that they go around and just like doing my version of that, but yeah, that's that's really um, really interesting. So, okay, I want to ask you a cosplay question now. At Oz Comic Con, you yes. did a very specific cosplay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. 
Um, so do you want to tell everybody what that was and how that came about and, you know, what kind of the creative process was behind that? So I did a mashup of um, Captain America and Superman. A lot of people thought it was Homelander when I kept, when I sort of like teased, revealed and like, wait, you did Homelander? I'm like, no, not Homelander. And um, so, yeah, so it was a mashup of Superman and Captain America put together. It's sort of based off the um, Amalgamation comics where it had the, where it had Justice League and the Avengers mash up together and it sort of like brought in um, Super Soldier, which is his technical name, but I call him Captain Krypton. Yeah, I remember that from the Super 90s. Soldier yeah. Is, yeah, Super Soldier is what Captain America is regardless because that's what he was made out to be, a Super Soldier. Um, but then also, um, so there was a whole bunch of stuff. And so I was kind of toying around with either doing um, Superman or in Captain America, but they were looking at like, other mashups as well. Like there was the Batman and Iron Man one, um, a Green Arrow and Hawkeye, uh, which I could still do. Um, it's not really, it's not that hard to like, it's, like, it, it's, um, sorry, I'm stumbling. Um, it's, it's pretty uh, straightforward in terms of um, doing that stuff. Um, but so the reason why I chose Superman and Captain America is because like, they're very similar characters um, in terms of like how they are and in terms of um, like their backstories. I mean, Superman is from another planet and Captain America was someone who was seen as very much of a scrawny guy. But then when they're both given a chance, they become really great. Um, even though Superman does have the upper advantage. So I kind of felt like I did want to do both. Plus, also, I wanted a cape. I mean, the cape is the main reason why I did a Superman and Captain America mashup. Well, of course, I you'd have to. to wear a cape. Yeah, yeah, everyone <laughs> wants to wear a cape, though. If I could wear a cape in everyday life, I'd figure out a way to do it, just like the guy from Seinfeld. What's uh, what's his name? The guy that always wears the cape. It's uh, the writer. The writer from Curb Your the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anyway, he wears a cape. He's the cape man in in Seinfeld, and Jerry's always like, "Why is he wearing yeah. a cape? Only Superman wears a cape. What's wrong with him?" Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so yeah, so the process was um, I found a fan art, uh, a drawing on online that looked really good. So there were kind of two that we were that I was tossing up with. So I put it to a poll on my Instagram and also on Facebook and people chose the second one because it looked more, um, more built and more like a mashup of Captain America and Superman, even with the shield at the back. So you kind of get both aspects of it. And then from there, um, because this was at the time when, um, Zach, our good friend, Nick has play, um, he had done a Shazam suit. And I was, I saw the way he did the, where the bodysuit was done and the cape and also the light up. And I'm like, look, I want to make this a really awesome cosplay. So I enlisted him. I asked him, hey, can you help me out with this, with the lighting for the chest piece? And also we found where, who you got your bodysuit from. Um, and so, yeah, so we kind of, we worked on it together. And that was also a time where, I also kind of took a fitness journey because I kind of wanted to look more natural for it. I didn't want to take on a body suit, a muscle suit, because I kind of wanted to make it look like I did this, oh, I did all this hard work and for this cosplay, and I kind of wanted to 
for it to show. Um, I should have done a, a muscle suit, however, because I did speak with cosplay Christian. I have seen that a lot of the superheroes, unless you're like Henry Cavill and you kind of bulk up as much as you can and you just go crazy with it, um, you kind of need a, a muscle suit to kind of give you that more definition, more of that build. So that's sort of like a, that's like a 2.0 <laughs> where I'm actually going to get a muscle suit and kind of make it look more um, built up and brawny. And kind of upgrade it. Yeah, fair enough. I understand yeah. that. It's But it's very hard to, even if you are built, it's, you know, even if you are shredded or ripped, it's very hard to show that through clothing, especially, exactly. you know, it, whether you it's like or not. Naked. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Unless you do walk around without a shirt on, but then what's the point in cosplaying if you're shirtless? Then you might as well just be, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. I had a friend who just... who once did, uh, not Ditto, uh, shit, I can't remember the Pokemon's name. It was the, the uh, he's a ground Pokemon. He was the, I think it was Doug, Doug Trio or whatever it is. You know, the one with the little, anyway. The three. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh, he, and he he cosplayed as one of them and just walked around without a shirt on, and we we're like, okay, I suppose oh, that God. works. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm wondering. So one of our uh, things here at uh, Making Lemonade is that we I often like to talk about uh, creative philosophy. And I'm wondering what your creative philosophy is. Do you, if you really think about it, do you have a creative philosophy? Um, and what is that? Uh, one moment. Let me just relook at the definition of philosophy so I can give you. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I suppose it's probably like we all have a moral setting and we all have a reason why we it's probably more the philosophy is probably more like why do you create what 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 about creativity Uh, is important to you what do you keep in your creativity and what kind of creativity don't you like um yeah so for instance myself i create to uh i like i have an idea and I personally know that, one, there's too many destroyers out there that we need more creators. And two, mm-hmm. two the, when, when I have an idea, um, I know I'd like, to be, I'd like it to exist, so I might as well do it myself. Otherwise, either someone's going to do it wrong or no one's ever going to do it. So I might as well yeah. do it myself. So that's kind of my, so yeah, what's, uh, what's your kind of creative philosophy along those lines? I think it, um, so along those, uh, I, I think it comes down to, um, for me, it's very much of loving what you do. So I create because it makes me feel happy. It kind of feels like that bold, that not to get really deep, but it kind of it, it, it gives me a sense of fulfillment because um, when it comes to projects and creating things, I I absolutely love like just being just going crazy and being as creative as I can because uh, it just it it makes me happy and when I get to see something that I created by hand, I mean not 
completely by hand, but like somewhat where I've like modified something or I've changed something up and I turn it into something new. And then people are like, wow, that looks so cool. It kind of gives me a sense of accomplishment. And I, I know that it kind of sounds like I'm looking for validation, which it kind of is. Like I, I kind of feel like I do have a like a need for validation because I haven't really got that as much um, with with like personal life and all that stuff. So um, mm. I, it kind of fills that like void, that hole in my heart where it's just like um, you did really well, and that's kind of why like I, I like to cosplay bec- and like to dress up as Captain America because. And it, it ties in it ties in with my cosplay. Like certain characters which I I cosplay. I cosplay a lot of these morally right um people who like who stand up for justice and have this whole good hearted sense of nature, but then also kind of are not like the goody two shoes, even though I completely am a goody a goody two shoes and I don't I, I don't break the law. Like I, I can't like I I would like okay, so I've, a couple of weeks at work, um I dropped a jug at my at my place of work at the time and I felt so horrible. And so <laughs> me thinking, oh my god, am I gonna have to replace this because I I'm a Gryffindor. And so I, it's, it's part of my <laughs> yeah. nature to be like, to own up to things, even yeah. though it may, it may be totally fine, but I'm just like, oh, hi, so um, that jug that broke, um, that was me. Um, I'm happy to replace it uh, because I feel like if I don't own up to something, then it kind of gets a whole lot worse. And I feel like I need yeah. to stop it in track before it becomes a whole big ordeal and a whole big drama. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. And the, the validation, on, on the validation topic, I think personally, um, and look, if you want to get deep, let's get, let's get deep. I, I like, I like, um, I like getting under the skin um, with these conversations here on, uh, on the podcast. So, but with the validate, I think a lot of creatives um, doesn't, now I'm not saying that all creatives and every creative uh, has, you know, didn't get validation as children or whatever, but I think a lot of us, you know, we make something and we spend a lot of time on our own making something. Yep. Then when we put it out there and we show the world, of course we want people to like it. Like it's, uh-huh. it's, it's completely natural. It's completely human. And of course we want people to like it as long as the validation is not, um, as long as we validate ourselves as well. That's the most important part. And we don't live off that validation and we don't, um, you know, thrive off that validation because then that's when it becomes toxic. That's when it becomes negative and that's when you can start yeah. to, start to, yeah, really start to build a bad relationship with your creativity. And there's a lot of people, and we've I've spoken with others on this podcast before uh, about this topic. There's a lot of people out there who create because it gets attention. And it gets likes. Yeah, see, I'm, try, I'm trying not to be like that mm. because like I've I've seen there there's like there's sort of a stigma in the cosplay mm. community where there are these elitist cosplayers who mm. only care about likes. And I've if someone like beneath them, um, mm. and it kind of was a bit of an issue back last year within the cosplay community, especially the Australian cosplay community, there was um, a group of people who were com- 
completely like um and I'll, I'll tell you after um mm. of like well you don't have to say any names but yeah but feel no, free no, to no I, i'll um but pretty much they were like they it's sort of like this thing where if you cosplay if they cosplay a certain character then no one else is allowed to cosplay that character and oh wow I, yeah, I that kind is of very elitist. The, I kind of take the I kind of take the piss out of it because I love Captain America and I love seeing other Captain America cosplays. But if someone was like, "No, you can't cosplay that person because I'm doing that," and I kind of make a joke out about it because I'm not I'm not that serious. Like I'm Who not cares? like, yeah. "Oh, I did this. You can't do this." Like if, mm. if someone wanted to cosplay Captain Krypton. I want to do another version of it. like go ahead do it like free reign really I'm awesome. not gonna I'm not gonna stop you like I'm just... in in fact that would be flattering as well <laughs> like yeah like in this tension the greatest form of flattery mm, yes exactly that's that's interesting I didn't know that was going on I mean I know I've always known it's been quite an elitist uh, it can be an elitist community but that's that's not only elitist that's very primary school. That's like exactly. playground. That's very play. No, no, uh-huh. no. I'm, I'm playing Batman. You have to be Greenland. Like that's, that's not adult. <laughs> that's not adults. Yep. And, and that's, I think, so from the outside looking in from, from the cosplay community, there's obviously exceptions like yourself and Zach and cosplay Chris. There's some guys who just do it because they fucking love it and they do it because that's if they don't do it they 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 don't know how to live with you know they just absolutely there's this yearning inside them to do it but there's it seems to be kind of a it it seems it can be a very much a community of um like you said like you can't do what i'm doing because i'm doing that and i want the attention from that and it, yeah like i said it doesn't seem very adult and with and my very few kind of conver- even just conversations with people or conversations with people who were were within that community and stuff like that it, it it seems like a lot of people are doing it for the sake of the attention and that's one of those communities and look don't get me wrong there is illustrators up the wazoo that do this as well but there is a lot of people like a lot of people will draw the joker and they couldn't care less about the Joker because the Joker movie came out. Um, or, you know, one thing that's going, probably something a little more recent, one thing that's going around now is this Baby Yoda. Um, and a lot of Baby people will draw. And a, yeah, and a lot of people will draw Baby Yoda because it's going to get them attention. It's going to get them likes. It's going to get them followers. And look, at the end of the day, a following is powerful and attention is powerful. But if you're drawing things or you're cosplaying things that you don't really care about, like I remember there was a time when I first started um, where Harley Quinn was everywhere, everywhere. Nobody oh, yeah. knew who Harley Quinn was until Suicide Squad and then Harley Quinn cosplayers came up everywhere and people started it, building it, it, their following. It's, it's, the, same, the, it's the same with Deadpool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the same, certain it's, characters. It's the complete same with Deadpool. Like, mm. Even, okay, I feel like pop culture does play a massive role in terms of like what characters are popular and what what aren't like mm. Mm. prior to iron man and the mcu developing 
No one would have known who Captain America was. No one would have known who Iron Man was. Like nope. the the diehard nerd, like the diehard geeks and diehard like comic book fans, and the people who actually had watched the animations and played the video games, like Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh, oh yeah, that's a classic. Marvel vs. Capcom. Like they would they would have known who Captain America was, who Iron Man was, who Scarlet Witch, um, Silver Surfer, Black Panther, Hawkeye. Hmm. Uh, but I feel like with the MCU, it's kind of pushed them out into mainstream media, and that's kind and that's, of where a lot of, it, and that's where a lot of like before if Suicide Squad had happened, then you wouldn't have had cosplayers who did the Suicide Squad Harley, and it wouldn't have been the most popular cosplay costume turning into like a Halloween costume. Like no, the only rendition that I remember of Harley Quinn. For Suicide Squad was um, both Arkham, Arkham Harley, and also um, Batman: Brave and Beyond, and the Batman animated series Harley when she's in her just outfit. As in that cosplayers were doing. Oh no! So that I had seen in like media. Right. I hadn't there really you go. Seen many Harley Quinn cosplayers, but then also I hadn't really gotten into the cosplay community. Like maybe about 26. And though I did, I I did drama and like dressing up, but I didn't really know about that. You know, it's like the only kind of nerdy things which I had been um, a sort of introduced to were Harry Potter um, and Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And Charm. Uh, Charm was my first, and then became then Harry Potter and then Star Wars. That's interesting. Because, like, I, I read I read those stuff and I watched that stuff as a kid and mm. it kind of shaped me and influenced how I think and how I mm. behave towards them. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's that's an interesting thing. Um, that's the interesting thing about pop culture though is that it is a very 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 long tail, um, and you can get into a supernova. And find yourself getting into other things that you didn't even know exist. Like Harley Quinn has been on my. I am an OG comic book fan. Like I, if a character exists, I need to know all about it. And if I find a new character that I've never heard of before, very rarely does a new comic book movie come out with a new villain or a new character, and I've never heard of it before. I mean, one exception being Marvel from Captain Marvel, but I knew exactly mm-hmm. who Captain Marvel was. Like, but, I didn't, I didn't know who Cap. I, I knew, didn't know she was Captain Marvel. I knew her as Ms. Marvel because I got she was in um, Superhero Squad, <laughs> which was the at Marvel Kids show, and that's how uh, I was right. like around. That that was on like back when like maybe about 2010, 2011, like. I used to watch the kids' animated shows when I was in high school because I enjoyed them. They were very fun. Like that's how I knew. That's how I found about the found out about the Avengers. Like if we're looking at Marvel and what I was first introduced to, um, it was X Men, then Fantastic Four, and then it was the Avengers. There you go. And that's what's great about the MCU and all the cinema is that you know there's a bunch of elitist comic book fans and it's probably the older gen i wouldn't say it's my generation it's probably the generation above me um who are comic book fans and og comic book fans and they've been you know the boomers yeah they've yeah well 
and they feel <laughs> very um, let down by the community because they were in this very secret club for a long time, and then all of a sudden, uh, the world started to love what they loved. And yep. but that kind of goes goes hand in hand with most kinds of collectors and fans of things you know look music fans are the same they don't like their bands going mainstream but isn't that the point of being a fan of a band is to support mainstream like exactly isn't that the point of being a um a musician like you kind of want to make it big and play your music and get your music out to the world exactly and and the same kind of thing goes like my opinion on it is that i was a kid in the schoolyard, who read comic books. I happily read comic books. I always had a Mad Magazine or a comic book or an Empire Magazine in my hands in the schoolyard. I couldn't have cared less about playing soccer or something like that. And I got bullied my entire schooling life. But the thing is, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, as soon as something like Avengers, I still remember when I was... I must have been 16 or 17 when the first Avengers came out. I remember going and seeing that film, being so excited about it because I'd read so many Avengers comics and seen all the crossovers and had been waiting all these years for them to do a Justice League or an Avengers, and they'd finally done it, and it makes a billion dollars. It's one of the most successful superhero movies of all time. And and to me, it was like, yes, finally, you know, going back to what we were saying before about validation, finally... People like what I like. They're starting to see the the quality in in these characters and and why we love these characters so much. And people are taking them so seriously. I mean, up until then, we only really had most. There was no Marvel characters that were taken seriously. Like every Marvel movie that had come out was a campy, you know, Fantastic Four style. Or obviously there was the Spider Man movie. Hey, like, I love the Fantastic Four movies so much. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. I love those movies as well. They they are an start. But as far as a very you know, Marvel did something different. They did something. They they gave you a sense of humor, but they also took the source material very seriously. And the only thing that had been taken ser- that seriously up until then was Batman. And mm-hmm. that's because of that's all thanks to Michael Keaton. Because if Michael Keaton doesn't make Batman back in 89, then, you know, there's nothing gets, you know, no Batman gets taken seriously, even though he does make that, and then they make Batman and Robin. Anyway, regardless of the history of that, the point being... So you want to know, know what my first ex- exposure to Batman was? Yeah, sure. George Clooney, Bat Nipples. Oh, yeah, Batman and Robin, George that Clooney was one of the first and well. Batman and Robin, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, Alicia Silverstone as that that girl, um, and Chris O'Donnell as, what if, he would be Robin, but is he Dick Robin. Grayson or the... Um, yeah, he is oh, Dick yeah. Grayson, yeah, yeah, and um, Alicia Silverstone is Barbara, but she's not Barbara Gordon, she's Barbara Pennyworth, at Pennyworth, least. But yeah. Alfred wasn't named Pennyworth at that point. But yeah, look, the point being that, I mean, that movie was great for kids, though. That movie was a movie made for kids. But the Marvel movies were movies made for kids and the inner child inside the adults. <laughs> like, I still yeah. go and see those movies, and I feel the same way I do when I first saw Star Wars, the original trilogy, when I was six years old. 
Um, I feel the same way that I do when I first saw Indiana Jones or um, Batman and Robin, for instance. Like, mm-hmm. there is there is something about these characters that hit people in a place that will forever live on. And the fact that it's mainstream and the fact that people are complaining about it just goes to show that we're just living in a world of of cynics and we're living in a world where you know people don't want things to be successful because of what you know choose a reason see i didn't (laughs) i didn't get i wasn't really introduced to indiana jones till the more recent modern ones like i remember it coming on like on channel seven on saturday nights but um my (laughs) version of a sort of indiana jones character is um lara croft Ah, yes, just as just as close. And, you know, movies like Jumanji now, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Jumanji doesn't yeah. exist without Indiana Jones or, uh, you know, for instance, the Dora Explorer movie looks – I haven't seen it, but it looks very much like Indiana Jones, and I will be going and seeing that. Fight me if you think I shouldn't. Um, no, I'll, ha- I'll definitely go see with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, my little sister used to love that, so that's the that's the reason why I'm watching it. That's the reason why I'm going to watch it. And again, another property that I never thought they would take so seriously, um, and the fact that they have yeah, makes me want to go and watch the movie. Show. Like, like uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just really intrigued as to how. Like, I remember I saw a, a trailer with um, Ariel Winter from Modern Family, and she played um, Dora this far, and I'm like. This looks like it could be really good, and it was just like a SNL, like Funny or Die, um, fan-made trailer, but it actually looked right. really legit. And I'm like, I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, speaking of, you said you're a Star Wars fan. How do you feel about The Mandalorian? Have you been watching it? I watched the first episode because yep. I not I'm I'm not trying to name drop or anything, but I got invited to a Disney Plus um, launch Ooh. party. Australia, so I got to see it last Monday, Um, and it was was, was a really good event, and I I really enjoyed The Mandalorian, it reminded me very much of sort of um, live action Clone Wars, because it had that charm of Star Wars, uh, but then also it was very much of like the space space cowboy film, which essentially is what Star Wars is, Um, but I really enjoyed Mandalorian because... I mean, we had been introduced to them at the Mandalorians at Boba Fett and Jango Fett. Um, me, I got introduced to Jango before I got introduced to Boba because I had mm. watched the... Um, okay, so this kind of... This might be a very controversial opinion, but I love the prequels. I know a lot it's of not people... not controversial don't like at all. Prequels. Mm. I know a lot of people don't like it, and I say, I, everyone says that Phantom Menace is the most horrible film. I'm like, no, I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Just, like, everything like the fight choreograph- choreography and everything like I love Jar Jar Binks okay uh, <laughs> so I it reminded me very much of the old the, the prequel films before it then turned into the um trilogy original trilogy so original but then trilogy, also Baby Yoda yeah. Baby of Yoda course. is probably like one of my favorite things from there <laughs> Yeah, I, I need I need that as a statue or something like that. I need some sort of collectible item of, of Baby Yoda because here's the thing, man. It's not controversial because it's 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 gone around as Star Wars fans to a point where uh, being a prequel fan makes you 
not a fan of Star Wars in most people's eyes, but you know what it is? It's generational. Um, and if you're a real Star Wars fan, you can respect what the prequels were. And the prequels, to me, like I, I was I, I was young enough to remember. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, Sorry, keep going. I have a I have a box set of all the um, six films in book form, and I read them before I watched the films. There you go. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to get into them. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, see, I, I was, uh, I was first, I was lucky enough to be first introduced to the original trilogy, but during the, uh, obviously I'm not old enough to have seen any of them in cinemas or at least in cinemas when they came out. Um, but I was introduced during the, the, uh, special edition era, um, because yeah. my father received the, the videos from from my mother when I was younger, when I was about six years old, you know, and the name alone struck me as a kid. I was like, Star Wars, what is that? Like, you know, I love sci-fi movies. And anyway, I put it on and my mind was absolutely blown and those video tapes just got ruined. I I watched them so many times and I think I'm one of those guys that I've watched Star Wars 500 times easily. (laughs) easily like i've watched that original trilogy and now i can't even get through the prequels because i know every beat i've watched all of the star wars except the recent um the recent trilogy easily 500 times each movie and that gives you an idea of i think the problem that people have with the prequels is they expected more of the original trilogy and it wasn't and i understand that people don't really like jar jar binks they don't really like the whole democracy and political side of the original trilogy. But if you look at it through a very different lens of Hayden Christensen did a lot of study into James L. Jones and David Prowse um, performance of Darth Vader. Yeah. And he translated that to the best of his abilities to a pre Darth Vader. Yeah. Excuse me. Give me two seconds. So, yeah, he translated that to a pre-Darth Vader, and that actually makes his performance make a lot more sense. Because if you go and watch Darth Vader in the original trilogies, he's very cold. He's very... Oh, yeah. Um, <coughs> he's very unstable, emotionally unstable, um, reactionary. And... Well, I was actually... Sorry, I'll let you continue. Hmm. No, no, no. Say what you had to say. I, I actually read an article um, yesterday, um, and it spoke. Of, it kind of touched on the fact that Anakin was never supposed to be a Jedi, nor Sith. He was supposed to be, um, because he is the chosen one, um, he was supposed to be an agent of balance, which means that he is affected by neither the, um, light, the, light, uh, the light side or the dark side. And mm. so he, that's why he had trouble, like, controlling his emotions when he was a Jedi because he wasn't supposed to be a Jedi. He was supposed mm. to be an agent of balance, which means that he goes for both sides, but he's sort of, like, stuck in the middle. Yeah, and his emotional suppression is not, is very difficult for him because that's not what he's supposed to do. Like, he, yeah, and, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And so if Qui-Gon Jinn hadn't been cut down in Phantom Menace, um, then he would have had to quit the Jedi Order in order to train Anakin in being the um, agent of balance that he is supposed to be. 
well, arguably Qui-Gon was an agent of balance. Like more than anything, I think Qui-Gon was um, was a grey Jedi. One of the first, yeah. at least one of the first of his generation. And this is the and thing. And also Dooku as well. Count Dooku yeah. as well. Like both of them yeah. are not necessarily like your traditional Jedi's like they're more agent of balance, so they knew exactly what to look out for. Um, like Qui-Gon knew what to look out for when he when he went to Tatooine and saw that Anakin had been born out of the Republic and he had no um he had no father. And this is the thing is that um you know now there's now there's talk of um well there always has kind of been whispers of it but now there's talk of people saying you know Anakin's father was always the Emperor. Like people seem to think that if the Emperor was um, given the power or as powerful as he claimed to be, he may have been uh, the father that inseminated his mother, like that inseminated Shmi. And that's the argument that, you know, through the force he found out how to make a child and he made that child to be, that, like that was always part of the Emperor's plan was to turn Anakin he 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 created Anakin such as that uh, he would become a Sith Lord, and therefore, when he's damaged and has to you know wear that suit and everything, um, yeah. he gives him he intentionally gives him a very painful and outdated outfit, so that yeah. he's in pain and he's angry and he's not able to control his emotions or find his positive emotions i suppose um and Mm -hmm. uh, anyway but there's a lot of nuance in those films that one i don't think george lucas was able to portray because they're very complex films and two that i think with with the kind of um emergence of new canon stuff and and you know some of the older that's not no longer canon anymore some of the older um eu uh, stuff of Star Wars, there people have started to respect the prequels a little bit more, and it's about understanding. I know the layman doesn't really like, but there's also, you know, it's a pretty mainstream bandwagon thing to say that you don't you don't like the prequels because most kids, most ki- like there is a lot of people who I went to school with who saw those movies at the cinemas. I could tell you they did because I went and saw it with them, and nowadays they're saying they don't enjoy the prequels and then there was a lot of never seen star wars before the original trilogy and they loved the prequels and it got them into the star wars universe and into the original trilogy and same goes for the the sequel trilogy there is so many kids of the next generation that their you know you and i remember the prequels and that's what we saw as kids and we went and saw them at the movie we watched them over and over and over again this new generation will be doing the same with the prequel with with sorry the sequel trilogy and <clears throat> they will be the kids that will be able to tell people who are complaining about the sequel trilogy well no in in 10 or 20 years they'll be going no well no this is the nuance and this is the complexity and so on and so forth yeah i, I think a lot of like i think if they're being introduced to the sequel trilogy first um then they're going to want to look back and figure out how did this happen? Like, what would the Republic and what would the Empire? And then that brings them back to the originals, 
um, well, the first the prequel, then the um, original trilogy, and then it kind of tied in well. Cause, but um, if you're going to see, I've, I'm very much of someone who is like, I like seeing stuff in a timeline order. That's why with the Marvel films, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I like to watch them from first Avenger first, then moving to Captain Marvel, and then hitting to where um, it's Iron Man and then Hulk and all that because it kind of makes more sense in terms of a timeline thing um, because it's fun watching them out of the timeline order because you kind of see all day this egg, but I kind of would want it. I kind of like seeing them as they happen in the timeline. Yeah, I understand that. I'm the kind of guy who watches the original trilogy first and then goes to the prequels and then watches the sequel. Like, but yeah, I, I can completely, I've never done that before, but I can completely understand that because that's kind of a cool way to watch those movies. And they're built uh, chronologically, not necessarily the release dates are chronological, but they are, over time, they've been built chronological into a, into a certain order. And like you said, Captain America, then Captain Marvel, and then, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I think what we can take from this is that expectations of a film you know creativity is one of those things where i think we all like you said before like you thought pe- people thought you were going to do homelander but you ended up doing something of your own and that excited yeah. them just as much as it did homelander and i think expectations of something creative um are, are very dangerous especially when you know i think jj abrams knows that star wars belongs to the people Kevin Feige knows that Marvel belongs to the people at this point. And so that's why he's able to keep quite a creative reign. But he also gives his directors a bit of a creative freedom, but within parameters. And at the end of the day, when you create something, you're creating it the way you think you're going to do it. And if a director creates it a certain way, you can't, as an audience, I don't think we can complain about I don't like when people complain about The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens because what do you think? They're going to make another one? Like you really think they're going to spend another two years fixing the film because Fat you John may not like something. doesn't like – yeah, doesn't like that Leia did a Force fly. Like <laughs> it's, it's one of these see, ridiculous – that's kind of what makes Star Wars Star Wars because it's all about the ridiculous. It's like – Films are not, like, they're supposed to be realistic, but not too realistic to kind of make it, like, um, it just, that's kind of what I, I loved about The the Last Jedi, because it did have that Star Wars campiness to it, and that whole goofiness to it, and that's kind of where I felt they actually did really well in terms of when Leia flies through space back into, and she kind of brings the ship back together. Like, I, I enjoyed that a lot. But it's it's here's what Star Wars is. It's a it's a fucking space movie about space samurais and space cowboys and space laser fights and starships and it's a kids movie. Like Jar Jar Binks fits perfectly to, into there. I, I just don't understand why people can complain. Very technical and you know I'm gonna be like to them. Look. Okay, if it's a, if you don't like it, I don't like the fact that they can breathe on Star Wars when it's basically can't breathe because the vacuum of space will basically remove all action, <laughs> remove all oxygen from you. Like 
it's not realistic. They need to be able to breathe, otherwise, or have space masks on it in order to actually make it work. Because <laughs> if someone says that, to, if someone says that they don't like the fact that Leia forced fly through space, I'm like, well, I don't like the fact that they can uh, they can breathe in space because you can't breathe in space. Like it's science, you can't. Also, you can't you can't you can't hear an explosion in space either. But there's no. a lot of fucking music and explosions in space in those movies like you as can well. Somehow hear a soundtrack, uh, orchestra in space, and it's just like that doesn't make sense. Lasers in space wouldn't make sense. Like it would all be very mute, and that makes for a very boring movie. And at the end of the day, one George Lucas has always been weird. Star Wars has always been weird. So a flying woman is not weird. In fact, that's pretty low on the weird Star Wars spectrum. And the fact yep. that people can compl- and oh that's not how the force works, M- motherfucker! Like it's the force. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a construction of a film. You cannot tell me how it works because it can work however the story wants it to work and however the writer and the director wants it to work. It's just ridiculous that people think that they can make the rules around these things. When they know damn well that they're not in... Anyway, we're going to be ranting about this forever, but it's one of those things that creativity lives, belongs to... I know things like Star Wars and and Marvel and all that kind of stuff, Batman, they now belong to the people. And there is a certain amount of fan service you need to do because people are going to go and see the movie. You're inevitably making your... You're creating most of the time for other people. And if if you're not... It's, it's a fine line between creating for you and creating for others. And here's the thing. if you, So, for instance, if you do a cosplay that you want to do, but nobody else is interested in it, that's that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, <coughs> However, I'm working on a cosplay for next year. Um, Wiccan, the, the son of Scarlet Witch and Vision. Mm. Um, and I've sort of – I'm not going the traditional – one we see is sort of more like an, a Marvel Age of Heroes where he's uh, wearing the pants and a really awesome jacket that sort of mm. looks like Scarlet Witch's jacket and he has a magic staff to it. So I'm doing a, another variation of it. But um, I feel like even if people don't get a weekend, they still appreciate the craft behind it because it'll look like a magic caster. Of course, yeah. And that's the thing. Like you said before, you, you still you still collaborate with your audience on on costumes and you still ask them like what do you think would be cool do you think i should add this should I, you were saying before about your uh captain krypton costume there was a few elements that you asked uh the audience what they thought about it and and that's the beauty of social media as well but at the end of the day like you said you know take away the money Take away mm-hmm. having to pay for rent, having to pay for food, take away anything like that. What, and I'm asking the, the audience this as well, ask yourself, what would you do if all of that was gone? What would you be doing with your day? If you didn't have to go to a day job every single day and we had our entire society automated and you know no one had to work at their registers at Coles and all that kind of stuff – what would you be doing with your day? And then I suggest you try and make that your job. And it sounds like, my friend, 
that that's what you're doing because you're you're so in love with what you do that yeah. you would do it anyway regardless of if you if you make money from it or not and that's the beauty of creativity is that if you can figure out how to monetize your creativity that's wonderful but mm-hmm. that should that shouldn't be the reason why you're doing it <laughs> no it really shouldn't and passion and love for something should be the reason why you're doing it if if I didn't have to worry about money and money was not much of an object, I would buy a warehouse um, or a, <laughs> like a massive complex and like turn it into like this massive just hub for cosplayers where they can live and create cosplays and they have all these supplies on their hand and be able like, because as a community, I feel like we can help each other because each, each cosplayer has an, a unique set of skills. Like someone knows how to sew or someone knows how to craft or foam or craft armor or doing or make smoke machines and if we all had that like if we had a space where we could go and be like hey i need help um with this which we kind of already do like jcar in sydney like central park mall they have a maker space and they have like 3d printers that you can use um and like engineers who know how to do things like uh, as part of my weekend cosplay I'm doing a stuff that emits smoke. So I'm going to have to create a mini smoke machine that um, actually works and will fit within a, like, a magic stuff. And that's, that's sort awesome. of like, that's, that's like the main thing that I want to get done because, and then make it light up and make it look really cool. Um, so I am working with them on that, but then also I have friends who will help me out with the jacket and making sure that looks right and everything else is pretty much, it's all going to be done by me. So if we had a space, that had like that cosplayers can live and can live there and work um, their jobs if they have any or but they also have a space where because I know when it comes to looking for houses or like looking for rentals and if you like live with flatmates then cosplay does can become a bit of an issue because they may not be understanding of it and then if you damage something they may have a bit of a fit and they may have a problem and it may cause like a whole rift in that whole relationship so Having, like, a space where you live with people who are like-minded and they understand it can actually work out really well. So if money yeah. wasn't an issue, that's kind of what I would be doing. There you go. That's a good question. And before we leave off, I, I like to ask um, a couple of questions. So, um, one, what is, the nu- what is the one emoji you use the most? The um, lion. The lion. Interesting. What is that? Uh, I'm a Leo, so I was born in August, a Leo, cool. but then also I'm a Gryffindor, and I relate a lot with the lion. I, I, I like the lion. The lion is a really good animal, and it's definitely one of my most used emojis. There you go. Um, and we we do a song of the week here, um, only on the podcast version, obviously not on the YouTube version, because that's when you get demonetization. I know. Yes, I know that very much. <laughs> um. But what is your – okay, so I always ask, either give me a so- – so for the song I can put at the end, either your fa- all-time favorite song or all-time favorite band and your favorite song from then or artist or whatever, or what are you listening to a lot right now? Like what's a song that's stuck so it's, Okay, so it's a mix. Because you got to love TikTok. Like TikTok gets you – hooked onto so many different songs like 
you hear them on the radio, you're like, wait, I've heard this on TikTok before. Um, mm-hmm. But no, my favorite um, my favorite artist that I am listening to in my all-time, like, if you follow me on Twitter, um, you would still kind of see that my tweets are sort of are more skewed towards them. Um, Taylor Swift. She was um, named <laughs> Artist of the Decade and Artist of the Year. She actually won all her nominations at the American Music Awards yesterday. Really? And was named um, Artist of the... Uh, artist of the decade and she'd been in a bit of a battle between her old record label but um she just released a new rendition of a song she recently released on her newest album and it's so beautiful and i love it so much but um if i could recommend something oh mm. god that's a hard one out of all the taylor swift songs that i love um probably um paper rings which is paper off her new rings. album okay i haven't heard that song so that's a good it's that's a very good much choice. of like an upbeat um very happy go lucky um mm. song but it's like really fun and i i really do enjoy it cool yeah she has some songs that i uh um i've listened to i'm not afraid to say i've listened to and i've enjoyed um especially when things like sh- shake it off and all that came out when when she was younger when i was younger uh, we party to that pretty hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she's a she's a great artist, um, and I will make sure to add her at the end of the podcast. All right, before we leave you, man, where can people find you? Give us all the plugs, every single platform, and all that. You can, can find me everywhere at Captain Fizzman. Literally, just search that and I'll pop up. TikTok, you- Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Cool. You're even, all over um, the place. Even, hold on, hold on. Let's, uh, um, Vero as well. That was, Vero. Word, that was one time. Is anyone still on that? I was on that briefly. Zach and then... Snyder is on it, and he posts up about this release of Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very serious. Like, he posts oh. up a lot of release of Snyder Cut footage oh, on wow. Vero. I didn't realize people were still using that platform. That's very funny, especially Zach. I saw him tweet about that the other day, and I, I laughed because Gal Gadot tweeted about, I can't believe the Snyder Cut is still something people are talking about. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been awesome talking to you and, and getting... Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, it's been awesome getting a... I've never had a cosplayer on here before, so it's been very interesting getting a cosplayer's point of view on creativity and, and you know, kind of why you as a person um, do what you do. And I do really respect um, not only the cosplay community, but yourself and everything you do. And like we were saying before, some of the cosplayers can be a little bit elitist, but you are the exception to that. And you're one of those guys that is... Um, very respectful of art and you're obviously an art fan and you're a fan of illustrators and all that um, where most not most sorry where uh, a lot of the cosplayers I've met are not um, which is which is disappointing but you know that's why that's why I'm glad I met you and Zach um, and people like Aussie Boomerang and Cosplay Chris you guys are there's there's there are some exceptions to the rule, and and most of you guys are very respectful of um, of illustrators, and that's that's what I respect, and I respect your craft, and I think, you know, um, I th- I think there's definitely a serious art to cosplaying that I don't think I will ever be able to fully understand, um, 
but I do respect it. But again, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Um, I've been your host, Jordan, and as always, stay weird. I have spoken. (laughs) (laughs) The moon is high like your friends were the night that we first met. Went home and tried to stalk you on the internet. Now I've read all of the books beside your bed. The wine is cold like the shoulder that I gave you in the street. Cat and mouse for a month or two or three. Now I wake up in the night and watch you Twice, cause it's gonna be alright. Three times, cause I waited my whole life. You're the one I want